Welcome to the SA for FA's Retirement Advisor Podcast, a series that addresses issues of importance to financial advisors when dealing with the preeminent issue on their clients' minds, namely their desire for financial independence. I'm your host, Gil Weinrich of Seeking Alpha, and today, as part of an occasional series of interviews with financial advisors and those who serve them, we will speak with Marsha Mantel, author of a new book, What's the Deal with Social Security for Women? We will speak with Marsha in just a moment, but first, this word on behalf of our sponsor. Marsha Mantel heads Mantel Retirement Consulting, an education and business development consultancy based in Plymouth, Massachusetts. I have met Marsha many times over the years on the Financial Advisor Conference Lecture Circuit, where she often conducts workshops for advisors on retirement topics. I've always found her to be highly engaging, and I'm therefore certain that listeners will enjoy this discussion about Social Security just as much as I will. With that, I warmly welcome you to our show, Marsha Mantel. Thanks for joining us. Well, hi, Gil. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm thrilled to be here. It's a pleasure. Marsha, you wrote this book for women. What is unique about female retirees that warrant such a book? Well, I look at it in a couple of ways. Women live longer than men, but women are not understanding the financial implications of living longer. And Social Security is the foundation of their retirement financial security. They don't understand it's a decision that they're making when and how to claim this benefit. And what I find with a lot of women after I speak, I, I also speak to consumers, um, they come up to me after the presentation and they ask really the simplest questions that indicates they have no idea that they need to make a decision and they need to help their husbands make a good decision and a smart decision as well. What husbands do directly impacts women. So the general gist behind this book, I wanted a tool, if you will, for women to be able to get into the conversation about money and about financial services and about their social security. It benefits too big to not understand. You mentioned their husbands. So <laughs> before we lose half of our audience, I want to ask you a question about them. What should husbands be doing to ensure their wives get the maximum spousal benefits if they are widowed, if, meaning if the wives are widowed? Yeah, it's a really great question and one that doesn't come up a whole lot. There's this just I think people just don't understand how complex the Social Security um, program is. So the, the situation with husbands is they're so critical in wives' financial security. And by and large, husbands do tend to think about protecting their wife. But where it doesn't go is, how can I best protect my wife if I am the first to die? Now, and that's because nobody wants to really think about that, right? But it's critical in the planning discussions and at home. So what the gentleman can do is really consider the implication his claiming decision will have on his wife if she's the lower earner. And this is the traditional, when you go all the way back to when Social Security, the Social Security Act was written, the idea here was for workers to get their modest payment because they were workers. And back in you know, the 1930s, workers by and large were men, and those men by and large were married. So there was a protection element the Social Security, and the husbands would get their benefit, and wives were entitled to one half of the husband's benefit, recognizing that she too shared in the economic success of a household. So that was great, and there was only one 
situation, really. I mean, the husband just claimed and she got half. It was quite simple back then. But today it's just more complicated. And the husbands don't realize, you know, they're tired. They're ready to leave their job. They want to claim this benefit that they claim at 62, at 63, at 64, well before full retirement age without understanding that locks their lower earner wife into the least amount of monthly income she can possibly receive when she's a widow. That's the decision that needs to, the discussion that needs to come into conversations these days. Understand that your claim, if you're the husband, directly impacts your wife. That is really important. I'm glad we talked about that first. Another common situation today are divorcees. Not mm-hmm. a few of them wonder if they can base their claims on their ex-husband's social security contributions. They also may be wondering what happens if their ex-husband remarries or if they, or if they themselves, the women, remarry. Could you enlighten us about that? Yeah, the divorce situation is really quite interesting. Um, you hear a lot that gray divorce is on the rise, and, and it is. You know, a lot of times married couples who got married in the 70s or the 80s, they just don't make it into and through retirement. And the situation is also a surprise, particularly to older divorced couples. Each member of the couple is eligible to claim on the other, the other's work record, if they were the lower earner spouse, in traditional sense, the husband was the higher earner and the wife was the lower earner. So that means most divorced women have the opportunity to get a larger benefit by claiming on their ex-husband. But lots of divorced women don't know that. So they're thinking, you know, I get a benefit. We'll make up some numbers here. You know, I'll get a benefit of $850 from my own work history. And that's what they think they're entering retirement with that amount of money. They don't realize they get half of their ex's amount, their, the ex's PIA or primary insurance amount, so long as they met some rules. And the big rule is for divorced couples to claim on each other's records, you had to have been married for 10 consecutive years or longer. So women who come up to me just to double check and say, all right, so I was married to Charlie, you know, for nine years and eight months. That's close enough, right? Well, that's not close enough. With Social Security, everything is quite exact. So if your divorce decree was finalized nine years and eight months after you got married, you don't qualify. It has to be 10 years. But once you meet that rule, the others are pretty simple. You each have to be 62. You cannot be remarried. That's the key. So your question about what if she remarries, then she's married. Then she claims as a spouse, not as an ex-spouse, at least while everyone's alive. So the rules do get complicated. When the ex-husband remarries, it does not matter on the ex-wife's claim. One of the interesting things with Social Security, again, almost from the beginning, they recognize that divorce happens. And you know, women, again, back in the 30s and 40s, did not have the opportunity to work. So there had to be a protection allowed for these women who you know, are advancing ages and have no income. Well, that's the, the math works where that's already built into the equation. So if the ex-husband remarries, the ex-wife still gets to claim on his work record and she will be entitled to up to one half of his primary insurance amount if she claims at her own full retirement age. So divorced individuals, the bottom line here, Divorced individuals, they do have protections built in for that lower income spouse. Very interesting. 
Let's talk about married women now. How do they factor in their own benefits versus spousal benefits that are potentially due them? The married women, they're an interesting group because they get very often what's called a spousal top-up. So again, understanding the base rules, the baseline rules for Social Security, it's to be really important for financial advisors so that they can guide clients along whichever path that client happens to be following. So in the example here that you're asking about, if a married woman has her own work record and it's the same or more than her husband's, that's the benefit amount she'll get. It's a simple calculation and it's her primary insurance amount. That's what she'll get. But if she's in, again, think back to 1930s, if she's that at-home mom who didn't have any work record, she's entitled to half of her husband's primary insurance amount. He's getting $2,000, she gets $1,000. But where things got messy, if you will, or makes the complicating factors is when she worked and he worked, but her benefit isn't as high because she was a lower earner. So she gets a top-up. She'll get her benefit first, and we'll say it's $800 a month. And if her total calculated benefit is $1,000, she'll get a $200 auxiliary benefit or spousal top-up. So the math is the same in that she gets the benefit that is one half of his primary insurance amount, but she also is recognized for her work and gets paid the amount she's due from her own work record, $800 in this example, but that's less than one half of his PIA. So basically, Social Security makes good, and they, they provide a spousal top-up of that $200. It's also fascinating. Are there any issues unique to single women? Single women, we first have to make sure they are truly single women. So here's an interesting situation we run into every now and again, that a woman will, will say she's single. And in fact, she is, as in not married, not widowed. But probing a little deeper, and I, advisors do have to ask this question, especially if it's a newer client and you don't know, you know her whole history, um, was she ever married? And was she married for 10 years or longer? Now, if you got married in 1968 or 1972, you know, and then divorced in, say, 1985, that's a long time ago. So you've thought of yourself as single for, what, 30 years now, and you're not. According to Social Security, so long as you were married for 10 years or longer, you still have another work benefit to see if you get a higher amount of monthly income. But once you establish that the, the woman really is single, as in never married or married for only a short time and not widowed, then what she has to consider for Social Security, this becomes a, an even more important foundation to her retirement income plan. And the amount of guaranteed income she'll get from Social Security needs to be considered relative to her other savings and any other income sources she has. She, she carries this full burden for creating sustainable income throughout her entire retirement. You mentioned earlier that many women come to you after your talks and ask questions. So I'm curious, what's the most common question you get? The most common question is around disbelief. And it's disbelief on two fronts. Marsha, are you sure I'm only going to get that little amount of Social Security? And I can assure you, you're only going to get that little amount. The 2020 numbers just came out, and the average, if you're an average worker over the course of your career, and you're a woman, you're going to get somewhere around $15,500 per year. That's not, you know, a huge amount of money. That's a modest payment to help you in your retirement years. Men, on the other hand, 
that's 19,500 for the average worker. So women are already 20% lower in this income source that's so critical. The other question that I tend to get is from divorced women. And they are really, for the most part, shocked to find out that they can indeed claim on their ex-husband. And that is, there's, are you sure? Are you really sure? Because he was such a big earner. I, I'm sure I'll get more on, you know, claiming on him. It's like, really, I'm sure, you know, so long as you meet the rules, you get to claim on someone else's benefit. And then it's so cute, Gil, because for the most part, these women then say, because very often the ex-husband has remarried, what happens to his wife, his current wife? And so there's a little bit of concern for the current wife. And let me assure you, the current wife still gets to claim on his record um, if that's her highest benefit. And she claims as a spouse and you claim as an ex-spouse. And that's because Social Security is set up to allow for additional people to claim off the same work record. Given the general lack of awareness of a lot of these things, probably many of the people you speak with would love to know what the process looks like for claiming Social Security. They do. And and where I think a lot of the misunderstanding comes is from a lot of the headlines. You know, people are willing to read a headline or hear something, and it all sounds very scary, right? What we're hearing is Social Security isn't going to be there for you. Social Security is going bankrupt. So there are good reasons why not everyone you know, loves this topic. But what the impact is and the net effect is that women are so happy that age 62 is right around the corner and they can grab and go with that benefit. Every, I swear, every American knows that 62 is the magic age to grab that benefit. They can quit their job because they're tired and they can grab a benefit. They don't understand that comes with such consequences and they're really severe consequences. If your full retirement age is 67, then you get a 30% cut in your monthly benefit payment. That's a huge benefit cut. You know, people complain when they only get a one or 2% raise every year, right? And then you're thinking about entering retirement it's like, oh yeah, I'm willing to take a 30% pay cut right out of the gate. You know, that's not a good thing. If a woman really wants to quit working, she could still take her full social security at 67, but maybe if she prearranges it, she could still retire at 62. Have you worked on issues like that before? That, absolutely. And it's one of the areas that I do cover a little bit in the book. And I talk about with advisors and with, um, with regu- you know, consumers. And that is, there are two key decisions you're making in your early 60s. One is, when do you want to quit your job? That's one decision in and of itself, and it's a standalone decision. The other is, how am I going to pay for retirement? And in that bucket comes, when can I optimally claim Social Security? Because one of the things that people are not putting together is, when you claim Social Security, whenever you end up doing that, it affects your portfolio. It affects all that money you've saved or not all that money you've saved because you're going to draw down that portfolio faster if you claim Social Security early and take a big cut. You know, because at the end of the day, your household runs on on dollars. There are certain dollars that you need to, to pay the bills, keep the lights on, put food on the table. And those are real dollars. So how you construct your paycheck with Social Security as that foundation impacts everything else. So if you've already taken a 30% pay cut, um, where are you going to make up that 30%? 
And that's the pieces where advisors are so critical in this decision-making process. You know, if she's tired, and I've worked, met with a lot of ER nurses, just for some reason I've seemed to be in that group for a while. These women work incredibly hard, incredibly high-stress jobs, literally life-and-death situations every day. By 62, you're 40 years into this game. You're tired. Okay, quit that job. Then figure out what you're going to do, but don't tap Social Security. That's a different decision. Your example about ER nurses was quite illuminating. I'm wondering if there's a final question for you, if you could tell us about perhaps one Social Security claimant you discuss in your book whose strategy changed as a result of your advice and what her retirement might have looked like had she failed to change her course. One, one woman is actually a single woman. She's, um, she's my fiery redheaded friend, uh, Karen, who's in the book. This idea of misunderstanding because there's so many rules out there. We had a conversation one day about Social Security and she was telling me she had signed up for Medicare promptly at 65, checked that box, that was great. And then she said, I'm waiting to take my Social Security until I'm 70 and a half. And I said, oh, well, Karen, that's interesting. Why, why are you waiting till 70 and a half? Well, Marsha, that's the rule. I like, well, actually, Karen, <laughs> hate to tell you, but that is not the rule. What was happening was Karen thought that the RMD, the required minimum distribution rule, for when she had to start tapping her IRAs was the same as the age 70 Social Security max rule. And what would happen if she waited until 70 and a half? I mean, she could, but she risked leaving money on the table from Social Security. Well, the long and the short of the story is she was thrilled to find out she could claim six months earlier than she knew she could. She was, this is found money. So age 70 and a half is for RMDs. FRA is for Social Security up to a maximum of age 70. So that, she's, she's great. She's a great story. That is a great story. And there are many great stories like it in your book. Women listeners and your husbands, it is within your power to make smarter financial decisions Hanukkah and Christmas are around the corner. What's the deal with Social Security for Women might be just the right gift. Thank you, Marsha Mantel. Thanks for having me, Gil. To all our listeners, thank you for listening. If you found this podcast of value, consider passing it on to one other advisor. Also, feel free to contact me at gil at seekingalpha.com with your feedback. This is Seeking Alpha's Gil Weinrich.